you heard, I'm about to go on one month's leave. Can you believe it? I will not be back here until August the 28th. And uh, no, don't clap too loud, right? Go to Redcliffe and hear Shane, right? But uh, um, so, so I'm away and I've never really taken so much leave. There was, a, there was a time when we left Paradise and we came here. I took two months off, but that wasn't really like leave. That was just a, a, a break. I just needed a break from all the different things. But one of the reasons that we can go away for so long is we actually have an excellent staff, right? We have an excellent staff here at Emerge Church. And I know that Pastor Joe and the team are immensely capable and that I'm leaving the church in good hands. And, and I actually do want to give a shout out to our staff. They're really excellent. You think about the job that Angie did last week doing Family Sunday. I mean, that was a wonderful Sunday. Went out. We're just back getting up here and, and, and doing announcements and communion. Pastor Jason doing the, uh, the, the youth camp and all the different things that we do. There's so many staff that just work together. And I think one of the blessings of our staff is that none of them are wanting to be heroes. None of them are making it about themselves. They're, they want to serve you and they genuinely love Jesus, and they genuinely love you, and they work hard. And but we have a great unity on our staff, and, and I talk to some of my friends who are running churches, and so much stuff happens. So much stuff happens, in, and I just go, I don't have to deal with any of that. I don't have to deal with any of that. You know, our youth camp was just amazing. I got a personal testimony in the sense of my daughter went to youth camp, and she just uh, was praying for one of the uh, young girls, and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I love that. I just think that's amazing, because we've never sat her down and said, you know, when you're with someone, listen, if they're speaking in tongues, and if they're not, then ask them if they'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then get them to say, did you lose the keys to my Honda, right, 20 times, right? And, you know, we didn't do any of that, right? We just kind of like, she was on her heart. But what is in the mum, because Nina's prayed for literally over a thousand people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, is on the daughter. And then just out of that, she was able to be used. And when I asked her how camp was, that was her story. That was her testimony. And it's because we have a, a, a great church. We have very little staff issues. And uh, so Nina and I can go on holidays and not have to worry, even though I will be watching online. I will still get... <laughs> Right, I'll still text people, right? Poor Neil, right? And uh, I'll still be emailing people. Because, you know, I want to say church is my life. It's not my job. Right. I, don't, I, I get paid by being here, but it's, it's not a job to me. It's not a career. It's actually my life. And, and you can't take a break from your life. You just, I like my life. I like my church. I like the people of, of our church. And so uh, I, I, it's, you don't take a break but I'll try not to text you too often, all right? And that, so uh, I'll try. You know, I, I'll try. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you, oh Lord, would just take the words I'm about to say and let it free people today. Father, Lord, let people be free today to understand that your will is a good will, oh God. Father, Lord, let people be free from preconceived ideas and things that have bound them and, and kept them within boundaries, oh God. Father, let there be a loosening in the spirit and in people's hearts today as I speak in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, the title of my message is, It's a Choice. 
And it actually came to me as I was preparing the message on parenting. And as I was doing that, I read the scripture that says, we all know, uh, Hebrews 12 verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. So in the context of the passage, is talking about how God disciplines us as a sign of his love for us. You know that an undisciplined child is an unloved child. But when I read it, I read it as a standalone verse. I read it as if it was just like by itself, not in the context of everything. It was like God was saying something to me through this verse. Endure hardship as discipline. It was like it was advice. It was like it was a life hack. Who knows what a life hack is? Right? It's something just really simple that makes life easier. I want to show you a few. You're going to come to church today. The only thing you might get is one good idea from this next three minutes. You know I'm going on holidays because I've used three minutes of my message time to let you watch a, a video. Watch this. Three minutes of life hacks. Get your pens ready because you are going to go, this is awesome. That's not true. Ooh. I like this one. Oh. Look at that. <laughs> oh. That's how you catch a cat. iPhone box. <laughs> if I come to your house and see that, I know you've been listening. Just a minute to go. I can get my eggs out now. That's awesome. 
There you go. Who got something out of that? Who's going to use one of those? Good on you, Neil. Who just feels like they wasted two minutes 50 of their life? Well, the scripture that I read for me was like a life hack. Endure hardship as discipline. You know, we all have to go through some hardship. Hard things happen. The loss of a job, a wayward child, a sickness that you can't shake, a marriage breakdown, the death of a loved one. So this God life hack says, endure hardship as discipline. Don't just go through it without it having achieved something for you in life. Imagine going through this hardship, you go through it all, and at the end of it, you're just the same. It hasn't done anything for you, hasn't taught you anything. So I'm saying, you're going to go through hardship. Life is hard. There's going to be hard things. Go through it as discipline. What can you learn from it? Let your hardship teach you something. Now say this week, your boss gives you a dressing down. It's not deserved, it's harsh, it's hard, and it's unfair. So you have a choice, it's your choice. You can endure it, you can fight against it, or you can endure it as discipline. You can let it teach you something. And that's what discipline does, it teaches you. Look at what Hebrews says in 12, verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant, no hardship seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. Later on, if you endure it as discipline, your hardship will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So back to our scenario. Your boss has given you an unfair dressing down. He's just given it to you. And so what do you do? Do you just get mad? Boss is an idiot. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Right? Or what do you do? Or do you endure it as discipline and let it teach you something? So let's have a look. Ten things that you can learn when your boss gives you a dressing down that you don't deserve. You can learn to show self-control when you're mad. You can learn how to deal with disagreeable people. Neil, you're taking too many notes. Right? Insight as to how your boss reacts when they're under pressure. There might be a measure of truth in that criticism so that enables you to work on yourself. It helps you deal with people that you are the boss of. It can build a measure of resilience in you. It can help you deal with life when it's unfair. It can show you that God is in control of your life and not your boss. It can bring comfort to someone else that you're able to bring to someone else when they go through something that's unhad, uh, that's unfair. And number 10, you can pray for the person that you're upset with rather than seek justification or revenge. Ten things that you can learn that as you enjoy your hardship as discipline will do for you. Or you can just get mad and go internal and then blame the world and blame everyone for the bad things of your life. But it's a choice. Can we turn the aircon on? Is that all right, please? I just, I'm sweating it. Thank you, Bill. All right. So it's a choice to endure the hardship of this hot stage and lights. God's life hack of enduring hardship as discipline lets the hardship prepare you for your future and it makes you stronger. It gives you the ability to push through. 
It gives you the ability to have resilience. The hardship makes you stronger. Now, if you've ever seen any videos of special forces training, it's brutal. You know, the SAS soldiers, the SEAL teams, the, you know, the, the army rangers, all the different army things that they are. Beck could tell you them all. Right? They're, they're, they're special training for the special, you know, top-end soldiers. It's literally brutal. They will put you to your physical and mental and, and emotional max. They push you and push you and push you. They make you do things that are well nigh impossible and you've got to keep on going. And the worst thing is, at any time, they have a bell that you can go ring and say, no, I'm out of here, I've had enough. And I think the ability that to instantly take yourself out of the hardship is one of the harder things that you have to fight through. As you're at your physical and mental kind of edge and you just want this to stop, that you can just get up and ring a bell and it can be over, is part of the discipline. But I want to tell you that under battle, we want soldiers that aren't going to want to ring a bell. Because in the battle, there's no bell to ring. right? And God's allowing you to go through this because He knows that you're in a battle. And He knows that if you can get through it here, that when you fight in the battle, when it really matters, you're going to actually stand. He's actually doing something. He's actually doing something. See, they're taught what they can go through. You know, the Bible tells us that it's good for a young man to bear the yoke in his youth. Because the earlier that you can learn to bear the yoke, the better that your life will be. They say that people who make it best in life are those who have a high adversity quotient. That if you're going to do something in your life, it's your ability to get through the hard times. It's your ability to push through. It's ability not to give up that enables you to go and do something with your life. Now, I realize not all of us are going to be special forces soldiers, right? I think we have one young man in our, uh, in our young adults group who has actually just been accepted just recently in our, uh, in, for our SAS, going to be training in Perth. I think that's pretty amazing. So he's going to be my new bodyguard, right? So uh, I don't think I really need one. But, you know, it's a choice. You have to choose to endure, or you can just let it run over you. Choice is an interesting concept. It gives a picture of the ability to go to at least, at least two ways. You can do this, you can do that, maybe more. But it gives you choice. Many people believe that God doesn't really like choice. That he is a set course for our lives and we better walk the straight and narrow and that our choice doesn't really matter and that what we want doesn't really come into the equation. But that's not correct. We actually always have a choice. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. How does God's will for our lives and our personal choice, how do those two seemingly opposite things coexist? That's the question I want to put to you today. And I believe it's because God lets our choices determine His will. Now, for example, the best example I can give you is I always tell students at school 
Study as best as you can. Get the highest marks that you can. Because the better marks that you get, the more choice God has to where He can send you and what He can do. If you're at the lower end, there's a limited choice. If there's a higher end, there's more choice where God can send you. That's one example. And knowing that God gives me a choice, to be honest, is how I determine the will of God, how I determine what the voice of God is. So the Bible tells us that God gives us the desires of our heart because many times He is the one who has created that desire in our hearts. He's created those very desires. So I'm often asked as a pastor, one of the more common, common questions is, how do I know if, I, if God wants me to do this? I'm at this juncture. I want to know what God's will. How do I know God's voice? How do I know what God's will is? And this is my advice. And many times I get a kind of strange look, but I hopefully will be able to explain that to you today. And it only actually works for people who do have a fair dinkum relationship with God. Like if you're just religious, if you just come to church just because you feel like you did God a favor and all of those things, that's, it's not really going to work. But if you actually do spend time with God, if, if God really is the one that you're seeking, this actually works. And I always pretty much say this, is God letting you? Have you heard a no? And I've always felt that if God is allowing me to go a certain way, then I'm allowed to go that way. That God will say no if I'm going to take the wrong job, or I'm going to take the, the wrong choice. God will say no. I believe that God much more often guides us with his no rather than his yes. Because if God says yes, our choice is gone. We have no choice. God says, you must do this. I want you to do that. Your choice is gone. You have to do it. It's now become a command. And in following God's will, I've always looked for the no of God. And if I haven't heard no, I've kept moving forward. That's why I rarely make quick decisions. And I've always in life, if someone says, you've got to make a decision now, you've got to make it now, I've always stood away from it. I've almost always taken that as a no from God. I'm not going to make quick decisions pretty much about anything of my life because decisions determine your future. And so I think, okay, I'm going to see and what is it? You know, the deal of the century comes across every week. Don't be sucked in by a salesman telling you that you've got to do it now or you're going to miss out, right? It, it, isn't, it isn't wise. Let, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. So let me tell you a couple of stories. I remember years ago, working at Woolworths, and my boss was an absolute joker. Like, he was a comic book character. And I was really ticked with him. And I felt they didn't appreciate me enough. And let me tell you, he certainly wasn't aware of how much I did. And he just didn't know how good I was. So I decided, I'm going to quit. You can take your job and shove it. Right? Has anyone ever heard? Can I eyes close? Right? Not looking at the front row. Right? Um, anyone else had one of those days? So I made up my mind, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get another job. I'm going to get a job with someone who appreciates me and uses all my multitude of skills. So I made home, made up my mind, went home. Next morning, I'm doing my devotions. 
This is the verse I read. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offences to rest. Ah, come on, I want to leave, I want to go. So I heard a no from God. See, God was doing something in me through that boss. God was making me a better worker, helping me to endure hardship as discipline by listening to my boss. And I want to tell you, in the end, I actually became friends with that boss, and he was a good guy. He wasn't the comic book character that I thought. See, as God was doing something in me, and he's saying, I want you to stay. You know, I've said it to my children. I go, I'm going to leave this job. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. And I go, well, if God lets you go. And then they come back and say, oh, no, he didn't. Right? Because God's doing something in you. He's doing something in you. Then... Uh, I remember a period before I came to be the pastor here. See, I said yes to coming here in January. I was going to work to May the 1st, and then I was going to start here on July the 4th. And so I was really working hard, and, and I was wanting to make my transition really easy. I was working hard. I was going to make sure that all the areas that I oversaw and all the areas that I was involved in had leaders, and, and you know, I was going to lead well. And then another key person in the church, they decided to leave. They also came to Queensland, right? And, and I was going, oh my goodness, I can't come. This is going to hurt the church I'm at too much. Two kind of big leaders leaving at the same time. It's, this is horrible. This is going to be terrible. It's going to be tough. I, I, I'm just going to ring up David Elder and say, no, I'm not coming anymore, right? Luckily, I didn't make that call. And I said, you know, I'm going to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? God, tell me, what do you want me to do? And I went to prayer, and I literally, I remember going into the, we had a youth hall back at that church, and I went in the youth hall, and I said, God, if you say the letter N, I don't even need to hear the whole no. I just, just say the letter N, and I'll do it. I, I'm, I'm not going to go. And so I'm praying and praying and, and praying, and I want to say that, like, uh, God spoke to me out of the second last verse of Deuteronomy. It says, You shall walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that will go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that God shall possess, and that you shall possess. God not only didn't say no, but He gave me a prophecy and something to stand on. And let me tell you, even to this day, that prophecy keeps me and encourages me right to now. And let me tell you, it has been totally overflowing in its, uh, in its fulfillment. So people say to me, so should I do something or not? What is God's will? And as I said, I just say to them, is the Holy Spirit letting you? If so, go ahead. If not, don't. Don't be so super spiritual about it. God's given the desires on your heart. I remember asking, Lord, which school should we send our kids to? Thinking that was the biggest thing that was ever going to happen. They're going to go to the right school, otherwise their whole lives are going to be ruined. Right? It's going to be terrible. We're going to go to the right school. We're going to this school, this school, this school. And we had four schools. And it was just perplexing us. And one day I just had enough. And I said to Nina, we're going to go in our room. We're not going to pray. We're going to finish praying until we get an answer. I prayed for 13 seconds. And God says, where do you want to go? Where do you want them to go? The blessing is on your children. It's not on the school. Right? The blessing is on your family. 
is not on the school. Sometimes we make all of this heartache when if we actually walk close to God, all we have to do is, God, are you saying no? You're saying no? You're saying no? Well, I'm going to keep on walking. You're going to say no? You're going to say no? Oh, I heard no. I'm going to fall if I keep walking here. You understand? And caring and being able, it's not hard to hear the voice of God. Now, I've used this example before, but I, I just want to say to those who haven't heard it before, the Bible says, anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will give liberally and without finding fault. So you want to know, and we're talking about situational wisdom. So you want to know, oh, that aircon's awesome, right? But uh, you want to know, right, like, what, what, what is God's will? So I ask of God, and he says, I'm going to give liberally. So you're not going to, is that you, Lord? Is that you? you? No, you're going to know, it's liberal. Then it says, Without finding fault. So it's not about whether you ask the right way. You're supposed to ask on a Thursday. You're supposed to ask kneeling down. You're supposed to ask in worship. No, no, it's just the fact that you ask. I'm not going to find fault. So it's a very encouraging scripture. Anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, right? But the very next scripture goes on and says this. But let him ask in faith. For anyone who uh, doubts is a double-minded man who is unstable in all of his ways. Let that man suppose he received nothing from God. God, one scripture tells me that you're not going to find fault. And the very next scripture tells me that you're going to find fault if I don't ask in faith. And so I'm sitting there, God, what, what does that mean? This, they're contradicting scriptures. They, they make no sense. And then one day it hit me. It's not an issue with God. It's an issue with us. One day I'm going to do this. God's about to pour on yes or no, right? The next day I'm going to do this. God's got. That person can't receive wisdom from God because one day it's yes, one day it's no, and tomorrow day it's yes, it's no, they're there. And God's wanting to pour out his wisdom, but you're never making it a call or a decision, so you never know. It's not that God's kind of going like, no, nope, you didn't ask the right way. It's God's going, make a call. Listen to what I said. Make a decision. And sometimes it's in making a decision that God has then said no to me. And God has said, no, I don't want you to do that. And uh, I could tell you many stories of that happening. It's actually supernatural, not super spiritual. Makes sense, actually. Because if I had to, to do something, and God has one who's told me that, then if I don't like it, things go bad, it's become a command of his. And then, then I can blame God. I didn't want to be here, God. I didn't want to do this. You made me. You commanded me. You said I had to. I want to say you are responsible for your decisions, even the spiritual ones. Don't blame God for the consequences. I'll show you a story. Paul is going to uh, kill Christians. He gets knocked off his horse. The Bible doesn't say he's a horse, but I'm assuming a man of his stature most likely rode a horse. He has an incredible, life-changing encounter with Jesus. He's rendered blind. He can't see. The Bible says there's scales on his eyes. He can't see. And he's led to Damascus. He's blind. He's there for three days. He's there for three days, and he does business with God. He can't see. He's wondering what's going on. He's had an incredible encounter with God, but he's blind. In the meantime, there's a guy named Ananias, and uh, God speaks to him and says, go and pray for Paul, 
and pray that his blindness will lift from him, that it will lift from him. So Ananias is scared because Paul's the guy who's been killing Christians. And God says, don't worry, I'm going to use him. And then listen to what? Listen to what uh, uh, the Scripture says, that God says to him. Acts 9, verse 16, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul had a choice. God showed him what it was going to be like in following him. God didn't say, this is going to be amazing. You're just going to see into heaven. You're going to start churches. Uh, It's incredible. You're going to write half the New Testament. It's going to be amazing. Oh, this is fantastic life. You're going to lay hands on people. They're going to be healed. Oh, Paul, what a great life. No, he showed him the things that he was going to suffer. He said, there's a cost to this. And there's a cost to building the kingdom of God. Right, because you're always dying to self and allowing God's will to happen in your life. But it's a choice. You know, Paul could have said, no, I don't want to do all that. I don't want to get whipped, you know, as many times I do. I don't want to be shipwrecked. I don't don't want to be beaten to to an inch of my life. I don't want all that. And you know, God would have still blessed him and we would have been reading letters from the Apostle Tony, right? Because there would have been someone else that God would have used. God's will will still be done. Can we turn to the first, you know, Paul's letter, uh, Tony's letter to the Corinthians, right? So God would have still, but Paul wouldn't have been the Paul that we know. So much of the outcome of things is us, not God. God blesses our choices. And if we stay close to God, then our choices and God's will will almost certainly be the same. You know, don't have the attitude that says, God wants you to do something that you don't want to do. That's not God. You know, there's a, you know God doesn't want to give you a girl that you don't want to kiss. Right? Don't say, you know, people say, I better not say I don't like missions because then God will make you a missionary. That's not God. It doesn't even make sense. Why would God send someone on the mission field who doesn't want to be there? What a great missionary they be. Right? They don't want to serve anyone. They don't want to have any sacrifices. They, they don't want to help anyone. They certainly don't want to love anyone. They just want to complain how bad their life is. Right? Like that would be stupid. This God's not that dumb. He's going to ask someone who's willing to sacrifice, who's willing to serve, who's willing to love, who's wanting to meet the needs of others. You know, we're about to go uh, to the Pan-Asia Conference and see all of the missionaries that we support uh, you know, and it's going to be great. You meet these missionaries, and they've given up their lives to serve. They've given up their lives. They, some of them are in very difficult circumstances, very difficult places, but they're just glad. They're just happy to be there. It might be tough, but they're happy to be there. You know, you're going to ask, God's going to ask someone who wants to do those things. You know, if I were to sit there and say, now, in this room, who's got a heart to go into the mission field? There'll be some people go, yes, I would love to do that. There'll be other people, no, I'm running away. Right? I, I don't ever want to be anywhere. Right? There's different people and different tastes, and that's what God's done. You know, there's a story told of a young man who liked a girl. She was pretty, and she had all the bumps in the right places, but she wasn't actually that spiritual. She had a sister who wasn't quite as good looking, but she was a brilliant singer, and she was very close to God. He thought to himself, you know what? 
I better do the God thing. I'm going to marry the spiritual, talented one, even if she's a bit ugly, right? I'm still going to do it. And he does. It's wonderful when they go off on their honeymoon. He wakes up the next morning. She turns over and faces him and said, good morning, my love. He looks at her and he says, quick, sing me a song, right? <laughs> See, God gives you the desires of your heart. Am I saying that God is never going to ask you to make sacrifices or do something that you don't want to do? No. God's always asking us to do things that you don't want to do. The Christian life is one of discipline. The Christian life is of one of dying to self. The Christian life is one of, of preparing, preferring others over ourselves. That's the Christian life. That's what we're asked to do. But he's going to put us, he's going he's, he's, he's to ask us to do some things that we don't really want to do. You know, I would have loved the Merge Church to be in Adelaide. If only a Merge Church was in Adelaide, it'd be so much better. I wouldn't have to lead my mum when I did. I, I wouldn't have to do so many things. I, I wouldn't have to move into the most humid place I'd ever known and uproot my family. And I didn't want that. But to be honest, I wanted God's will more. So God started to give me desire. God started to give me vision. God started to give me favor. God started to give me opportunity. He started to make me a little uncomfortable in the comfortable place that I was. And then from there, all of a sudden, his will became attractive. His will started to draw me. If I would have liked to draw a picture of what I wanted, of what I would have liked, let's do a merged church in Adelaide. Let's do it there. Right, and that's not a vision statement, by the way, right? So, we, but let's do it there. But God wanted me here, and I thank God that I'm in Queensland. Go Queenslander! How good was the state of origin? That was unbelievable. Even I watched the whole game, right? See, it might not have been my will to come to Brisbane, but God made it so it became my will. Not kicking, not screaming, but willingly. God's going to ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. He's going to put you into some precarious or, or times when there's a, a sense of fear of what he's asking you to do. But you respond in faith. You respond in faith and say, God, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, will comes. You know, and often when I talk to someone and I say, look, I'd like you to consider doing this role in church. I'd like you to do this role. I think it's a great role for you. I think it would be great. Now, I always make sure that I never say, God has spoken to me. God has spoken to me, Jacinta, and told me that you should go to China, right? <laughs> Jesse would come and see me fairly quickly, right, and say, what the heck was that, right? Now, if I manipulate her, I've said it's God's will. God has spoken to me. That's manipulation, and I'll never do that. So I'll come to someone and I'll say, look, I, I feel that there's this right. I think it might be good. I, I want you to pray about it. I want you to talk about it with the people that you need to talk about. And then like, if a desire comes, then I know that it's God. And I'll sit there and say, go away. And then if you find yourself thinking about it, you find yourself dreaming about it, you find yourself picturing yourself doing that particular thing, then I know that it's God. Right, then your desire has been stirred by the things of God, not by the things that I'm offering you. Right? Not by the privilege of having position or, or the, the, whatever it be. It is a fact that no, God has done something in me. You know, one of the reasons that I believe we have a good staff here 
at Emerge Church is that I'm not actually asking them to work for Emerge Church. I'm actually asking them to fulfill the call of God in their lives. And if that happens to mean that they work at Emerge Church and they're extending the kingdom of God through what they're doing here, then fantastic. But if it's just doing a job, I'm not that entry interested. You can get, you'll get paid way more working outside the church than you will inside the church. Right, so it's, it's like, is God asking you to do this? But I can't tell. I can look at the outside. I mean, I'm not going to ask someone I know that God has said no to, right? And say, oh, I, don't, I just like them, so I'm going to ask them. God says no. I'm not going to ask that. But if I ask, I believe God's in it, but they're the ones who've got to decide. They're the ones who've got to decide. We even put it into their contract. That when you work here, we just sit there and say, if you're ever working here, and you come to a point where you don't feel like you're fulfilling God's role and what God wants for your kingdom and what is for his kingdom, then like, please, come and talk to us and maybe it's time for you to go get a job somewhere or do something else. Because I want you to do it, I'm serving God, I'm not serving Mark and Nina. I'm not working in the youth department, I'm not working for the music department. I'm doing what it is that God would have me to do and it happens to be this. I want the band to come. You know, life to be honest, isn't actually about the biggest choices that we make, but the everyday ones. Making right everyday choices. And generally you'll find that the bigger choices are easier to make when it comes to it. The daily choice to be kind. Daily choice to forgive. Daily choice to work hard. To believe the best of people to not give up or to give in. The daily choice to spend some time in prayer and worship and in God's word. The weekly choice to be in the house of God, to study, to serve. It's a choice to speak well of people. It's a choice to speak well of people. It's very easy to criticise this age of social media and all these different things, it's easy to criticise. You know, have a look at the people that you follow on social media. How do they speak? What are they saying? What's their attitudes? And like, choose not to follow those people. To not gossip. It's a choice to help where you can. It's a choice to give. You know, it's a choice to be compassionate. It's a choice to love. So if you make those choices each and every day, when it comes to the big choices, should I leave my job? Should I marry this person? Should I do this or do that? Should I, whatever it be. It's remarkable how easy it is to make those choices. The will of God is not hard. God doesn't hide. God, it's me. Here I am. Here I am. No, God yells. God shouts. God's will is easy to know if you listen. The Bible tells us that there's two voices. There's a voice of foolishness, the voice of the flesh, and there's a voice of wisdom, the voice of the Spirit. And what we got to do when we come to the choices, what am I listening to? The Bible says, they're both loud, 
but you can hear the voice of God. That's why being close to God is very interesting. Today, right, uh, I left my phone at home. I needed to speak to Nina, right? And so I said, Jason, can I lend you your phone? Can you lend me your phone? I need to ring Nina. So I, I rang her and I said, hey, honey. And she's like, she's just completely flummoxed, right? She's like, what? Like she, was, she saw Jason Bedville come up and then like, hey, honey, right? But then she realized it was my voice, right? And, and she was able to have a conversation. But it was quite funny, her reaction, right? When we make good and wise choices, when we stay closer to God, we learn to hear God's voice. And I can hear God's voice over the noise of every other thing. The voice of God brings peace, but it also brings what I call happy scared. There's always a measure of faith to what God has asked you to do. If you want perfect peace where you don't know any kind of, that, that's not God, because that's not a faith step. You've got to have a measure of faith. It's happy scared. I'm happy to do it, but I'm scared. What do you think Peter felt like as he's about to step onto that water? Because until it takes his weight, it's just, I hope it takes my weight. Right? He's happy to do it. Jesus asked him to do it. But, oh, here I am. I'm walking on it. I'm walking on it. I'm walking on it. It's a happy scared. If you're looking for the yes, that doesn't often happen because you're the one who has to live the decision. Think about this. You wanna, there's, you wanna, do I marry this girl? So imagine like God gives you, heaven opens. Right, God, I wanna get married. I wanna get married, heaven opens. There comes from heaven on a celestial conveyor belt, the most perfect, pretty woman you've ever seen in your life comes out, angels are flying around. Right, the, the cherubims and the shofars are going crazy, right? The heavens, this woman comes down, you just love her immediately, right? It doesn't matter how much you know it's the will of God. If you're not willing to be kind to her, if you're not willing to love her, if you're not willing to be faithful to her, if you won't forgive her, if you're gonna lie to her, if you're gonna be angry all the time, if you're gonna be miserable all the time, right? it doesn't matter how much God's will is because it's maintained on earth. So much of what we blame God for is things that we just didn't maintain here on earth. But when we walk close to God, making good decisions each day, each day I make good decisions, each day I stay close to God. When I come to the big decisions, I know that God says, I know that God wants me to. I know that God is gonna bless. I know that God is gonna be with me. And as I've lived a Christian life now for 40 years, that's what sustained me. This daily relationship, what are you saying, God? And when it comes to the big decisions of life, generally, I think most of the time, I've made the right decisions. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you, if you got any decision to make at all, you're wondering, what is the God's will? I want you just to raise your hand. Anyone in this place? That's right, many hands. Many hands. And Father, you see these men and women, Father, younger and older, O oh Lord. Father, asking you, what's your will? Father, right now, 
I relieve them of the stress of that. Father, Lord, let them do what's in their heart to do and then listen for your no. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would liberally pour upon them, oh God. Father, they would clearly hear what it is that you're saying, oh God, and then give them the courage to go through with it, oh God. Father, every decision of you takes a measure of courage, takes a measure of faith. And I pray that with that wisdom, Father, with that direction would come, Father, Lord, a a sense of faith, a sense of courage. But Father, speak to them, oh God. Speak to them, oh God. Father, let them hear and give them the desires of their heart. Father, let it not be hard for them, but let it be easy. Let it be the desires of their heart. Father, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the best choice you can make is to choose Jesus. You know, uh, and that's a choice too. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, hey, I I do all these good things. I want to follow you. I want to do this. And and I've acted well. I've done all the right things. And Jesus said, yeah, you've done fantastic. But there's one thing you didn't do. You didn't do this thing and, and you need to go and do that. You need to sell all that you got and give the money to the poor. And he's like, whoa. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, we hear all the time Jesus, you know, runs, leads the 99 to go after the one. But he didn't go after the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler made a choice. Because I don't want to do what God asked me to do. And so he says, how sad it is. How sad it is. And that was his attitude. But there was a choice. There was a choice to choose Jesus or choose my own way. Thank you.